The following is a production of Different Brains. Visit us at differentbrains.org. Hi, I'm Hacky Reitman. Welcome to another episode of Exploring Different Brains. Today we have returning to us Pierre Marsh, who is writing a book about dyslexia, who's doing so much advocation for neurodivergence and neurodiversity. Pierre, welcome back to Different Brains. Hi, how you doing? I'm of the opinion, which I've taken some criticism for, that labels are a lousy way to describe a human being. Um, some of the well-intentioned leaders and people say, well, yeah, then how are you going to get people the resources they need? What are you going to do? So I find sometimes that advocates like you, <clears throat> organizations like differentbrains.org, we're trying to get rid of the stigma so that everybody can feel comfortable saying, hey, I'm dyslexic but I'm going to do the job, or I have Asperger's, or, you know, you name it, ADHD, the list goes on and on. But finding that ability to come out of the closet, so to speak, and say, you know, I want everybody to know I'm bipolar, and I have to be on my meds, and if I get off my meds, make sure you make sure I take them. But right now, it's like everybody's got to look the other way, and there's a lot of stigma involved. Tell me about stigma and labels from your perspective. Well, it's very important. And I think you hit the nail on the head. The question is, is functionality. How good are we are doing our jobs? That, to me, is the most fundamental uh, point. The second point is, it's a question of intelligence, right? And one of the things about neurodivergence is it is intelligence in its own right. And I believe that neurodivergent people for a long time have had to translate their intelligence to a neurotypical way of doing things. So the burden is absolutely immense, but the intelligence grows because of that process. One of the things I think which neurodivergence has to uh, develop into is that there is a specific way of measuring neurodivergence intelligence for neurodivergence intelligence sake. And that is a more holistic way of actually uh, fathoming out how people actually do things. It's no point at the age of three teaching a neurodivergence sequential thinking uh, uh, development when all the time their ability to create and learn and understand the world is from a holistic perspective. And so what happens is that child fails, 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 gets the labels, gets the remedial uh, training, and then gets the self low self-esteem. And all the time, it becomes, because it's with professionals, it becomes not a difference, it becomes articulated as a pathology. And it's from that discourse that there is absolutely no challenge to it. And that's why it's so important for neurodivergent people. It's to start from what you say. It's not a question of looking from a issue of difference and deficit. It's a, 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 a process of identifying that there are different brains which process information differently. And what we've got to do as humanity 
is capitalized on the whole sum of human intelligence in order so we can benefit from it. Because I believe we're in somewhat of a crisis mode where we've got so used to doing things from standard operational procedures. And historically, those who had quite a good working memory to remember the standard operational procedures became the bosses and the leaders. But it's all taken us to one place, which has not given us choice, choice of thought, choice of creativity. And I think it's the new divergence brain, which is the key here to give humanity options, which it hasn't got at the moment. So it's very important. Very well said, and a natural segue to from neurodiversity into racial diversity. Absolutely. Now, you're an activist also in that arena of diversity as well. Expand upon that for our Different Brains audience. Well, it's very important. You know, one of the, the things about uh, my identity uh, and, and it's very interesting what's going on in the world, especially with the royal family with Meghan at the moment. Uh, we've got a, a mixed race uh, black woman, uh, many labels, if you like, joining the royal family, which whole idea of royalty is a bloodline which is pure. And the whole notion of race and, and blackness was, was this idea of polygenesis, that there was basically two different types of human beings and the twain should never meet. And now we're getting in 2018, you know, with the royal family, the idea that we, we're, we're forgetting this bloodline and we're looking at now people on an equal footing. And one of the things about racial theory, especially from a mixed race perspective, is that you, you've heard this idea of postmodernism. Well, mixed race is perfect situated to start answering some of those questions. And what postmodernism means is that in the past, we had these grand notions about who we were and where we came from. And the majority of people followed that sort of story. So if you were conservative, but you believed in, you know, uh, that the cream always rise to the top and it was within the bloodline, but you believed in the family, that you believed in leadership, that you believed in paternalism. If you believed in liberalism, you believed that, you know, it's all up for grabs as long as you had, you know, good energy, uh, the meritocracy society will allow the best to ride the top. And if you believed in socialism or you believed that at the end of the day, everyone, no matter how well they did, should always make sure that the rest of society doesn't fall behind. So these were the grand stories. And within that, came the grand stories of race associated. Very westernized perspective. Now, as we move into the modern world with interconnected societies, interconnected businesses, interconnected banks, the whole idea of racial lines based on stories all get emerged. But there's no language really to try unpack that. So when I came through my mixed race uh, world, basically we learned to find a new anchor find a story, create a story in which fits in with the modern world. And that's really the postmodernist things. And with neurodiversity, um, we've got to make sure exactly that that's incorporated within the body as we go forward. If we are going to be successful at challenging some of the 
grand narratives and big discourses of the future, or otherwise would be pinned in to the same racialized thinking, which causes the same problems, but just in a different perspective. In this one, it would be neurodivergence. Pierre, is there anything you'd like to talk about that we have uh, not spoken about today that you'd like our audience to know about? Well, I think what I would like to suggest to the audience of neurodivergence, I think I'd like to say to them, maybe it's time for us to start thinking a little bit more politically about ourselves. I mean, if we really are, and we hear these statements all the time, one in 10 of the population, uh, let's just say in general, then that's a significant amount of people. And we pay our taxes and we, you know, contribute to society in many, many ways. And I think it might be time for us to develop, you know, a political language, which really stops asking for understanding and saying, please look at us, you know, treat us with uh, respect and, and dignity. But it starts turning around and saying, this difference needs to be just recognized as difference. And this is the way society needs to utilize its resources to facilitate people who are different. And it's not an, apo it's not an apology, uh, and it's not a question of understanding. It's just the fact of the, the human phenomena. And, and for that to take place, neurodivergence people themselves have to think about themselves differently and have to be prepared to uh, not just say, you know, I'm different, I'm neurodivergent, I'm dyslexic, I'm dyspraxic, I'm bipolar, I have all these kinds of things. Well, this will really cheer you up, I think, because I was recently down in Washington, D.C., our nation's capital, for the National Down Syndrome Society, first ever adult Down Syndrome Summit. And the reason it was the first ever was because in the 1980s, down syndrome people lived till about 20. Now they live till 60. Right. And what was heartening, and I wrote a blog article for Different Brains about this, was really inspirational to me. I got to meet all the self-advocates who are working up on Capitol Hill, who are going in their suits and ties and saying, don't I have a right to live? What is it with Iceland passing this law that you have to get tested for Down syndrome and if you have if you have it when you're pregnant, then there must be an abortion. We're Absolutely. you know we're we're doing this, and I met so many self advocates. One of the reasons that I formed Different Brains, that I founded it, and we have so many wonderful people are joining it at Different Brains Org, is because it's not just Down syndrome, and it's not just yes. autism, and it's not just bipolar. It's mental health issues. It is intellectual and developmental differences. It's neurological Parkinson's and Alzheimer's and everything else. So we have that all under one roof and I'm trying to get all the different silos to pitch in together because, hey, all the tools that work, for one, work for all of our brains and our bodies too. But as you said, if we're gonna get things done, we have to unite. And it's big, yeah. big numbers if you add up all these different silos, as you point out. And you are right on the money that society needs to understand and embrace neurodiversity for the benefit of all of us. 
And one of the things is, is society, don't just embrace it because it's the right thing. It's good business for you, for you big companies, for, you know, I, I lecture to doctors sometimes. You're already treating 10% of your patients. You may as well look through that prison and give them the help they need. Teachers, employers, institutions. I'll get off my soapbox now and give it back to no, you. <laughs> no, I, you know, I couldn't agree more, but I just pushed the envelope a, a, a little further. And I think this is where it needs to go. I truly believe that humanity will end if it isn't for the total encompass of what has been produced out of humanity. So if you try to just dissect some of it off because you have a very narrow perspective of what human, humanity is and how it became, I like the idea of looking at the gene, like the idea of testing me uh, way back then for senior maladjustment, uh, these are often proven completely incorrect because humanity at the, at the end of the day hasn't got its, its, its act together. The most dangerous thing we face as human beings is not the nuclear bombs. It's not technology. It's been proven time and time again. If human beings do not get on with one and each other, if, if they do not learn to incorporate the whole of humanity, we fight, we destroy. And this is where neurodivergence, I think, is always been around. It gives the capacity for humanity to think differently about itself, in some sense, which is basically thinking the way it's always thought about itself. For example, if I give you an analogy, a tanker, which be a massive ship, um, needs a huge rudder to turn its direction. That's humanity. It needs a huge rudder to start turning that uh, tanker. And it takes about two or three miles to turn the tanker. But guess what's on the big rudder? A very small rudder, which turns in the opposite direction. And without that, having that capacity to turn in the opposite direction, the big rudder won't be able to turn, to turn the ship out of danger. And I believe that's where neurodivergence is. It sits on the edges, the fringes of humanity. Think about all the entrepreneurs. Think about all the people in... Oxford and Cambridge, for example, which are neurodiverse. They said something like 40% people with Asperger's, they're focused, they can't stop doing, applying themselves to a particular problem. To, to think about the arts, philosophy. All of this is where neurodivergence sits. Yes, the sequential people who run the administrations and the offices and all these types of things are very important, but they are work well in conjunction with all that creativity. We start going around and saying, this gene does that, that gene does that, and we start eliminating it so you don't have Down syndrome. Where's the next best poet? Mate? It might come from people with Down syndrome. Gives us a good indication where we're going and what we're about. And that's a danger which we face. So yes, I think we offer, which is already there uh, in uh, well-researched about the contributions neurodiverse makes. But also, secondary, it goes to your point and what the Down syndrome people you were just mentioning, saying, you know, don't start looking to slowly genocide my race 
through a scientific gaze, which, which is considered normal, you know, let Down syndrome people determine what value they have. You listen to them. You know, 65, making a contribution. What that contribution is going to be, we incorporate it as the whole of society. And that's with all of neurodivergence. And that's why there needs to be a step change, because I believe we've come so reliant on computerizations, systems, that we're getting to the point where we're saying, well, we will follow this direction because one, it's convenient and it's easy. And all those people with all those type of brains fit in well with that. And that's the danger. We'll lose our creativity. We'll lose our ability to protect humanity. And if you want to view a really good TED talk, um, Ken Robertson uh, is, is a professor in education. He's got a lovely TED talk there. And he talks about education strip mining creativity of children now, uh, which is almost at a crisis point, where children at three are being assessed to go into preschool and to make sure that they re meet the same criteria. And where creativity and, you know, uh, huge amounts of energy has been pushed down and, and forgotten, um, we're losing the ability to be creative. And once we've lost that, I believe it's game over. Pierre, thanks again for being with us one more time here on Exploring Different Brains. It's been a pleasure to speak with you. Thank you so much for all you're doing for those of us with different brains. And um, Thank you for having me and thank you for uh, allowing me to express myself. Exploring Different Brains is a production of Different Brains, Inc. For more information, visit us at differentbrains.org.